0: And look into this Christmas story, and I think we'll find something here that will encourage us and challenge us. As we look at the uh, group of individuals that God chose to reveal the news of his son's birth to, the group of shepherds, just a bunch of ordinary gentlemen, nothing special about them, but this morning we're going to talk about shepherds of hope, how they went from being outcasts to evangelists. So these would be the, probably some of the most, uh, the least likely individuals that you would think of being evangelists. But that's exactly what we see in Luke chapter 2. And we're running a few minutes behind this morning, so I'm going to save some time by not reading. But we'll go through verse number 8 down through verse number 20 and work our way through those verses this morning. But in the middle of the, the Indian Ocean, uh, there is an island that is known as Christmas Island uh, off the coast um, near Australia. It's territory of Australia. It was discovered on Christmas Day in 1643. And Christmas Island, it's home to about 2,000 people but it is known for its uh, absolutely remarkable scenery. It said 63% of the island is national park. It's full of hiking trails and biking trails, mountains, uh, waterfalls. Uh, They say that there are several animal and plant species that are found nowhere else but right there on Christmas Island. Nowhere else in the world can you find it. Then if you go 9,000 miles away in the middle of the Pacific Ocean... Uh, you find another island called Christmas Island. Uh, This one is one that Bing Crosby and others have sung about. uh, Back in the 1940s, he recorded a song called Christmas Island. It's been covered many times since then. But here in the Pacific Ocean, another beautiful place. This one, miles and miles of sandy beaches. It's got uh, jagged white cliffs. And then there's 120 square miles of a secluded coral lagoon. I think we have a picture it's just absolutely stunning Christmas Island uh, there in the Pacific. It's, the entire island is a wildlife sanctuary, and it's in the world's farthest forward time zone, making it uh, one of the very first places on Earth that experiences the new year. So, uh, two different places called Christmas Island, both of them very secluded, uh, very unique, uh, and very beautiful places. And Places like Christmas Island, either in the Indian Ocean or the Pacific Ocean, and other places like those, uh, remind us that this season, Christmas, it should be sort of an island for us. Uh, It's supposed to be a place where we can pause, where we can kind of get away from the busyness of of the year, of life, and really enjoy a season of peace that Christ was to bring to us. Now, I was out doing some Christmas shopping yesterday. I don't know why I got so caught up in trying to get out and get my shopping done early. I should have waited until today. But no, I was out yesterday. We pulled into the Walmart parking lot. uh, And it took forever to get into the Walmart parking lot. I mean, cars were just backed up uh, out into Race Street trying to get in. Parking spots uh, were backed all the way up to IHOP. And so I told my mom, I said, we're just going to take the first parking spot that we can see and we'll just walk all the way up there. But it just so happened, I don't know, it must be living right, but truck in like the third parking spot up at the front row backed up just as I was pulling down that aisle and there was nobody in front of me. I said, wow, we're going to get a, we're going to get a third row parking spot this morning. So that was nice. But get into Walmart and there's carts going this way and that way. I mean, uh, it didn't feel much like an island. It felt like we were in Times Square is what it felt like. But Christmas should be an island. It should be a place that we can kind of just take a, take a beat and spend a few moments in contemplation of the greatest gift that was given to us, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. And so Luke chapter 2, where we're at here this morning, is it covers this uh, amazing supernatural uh, birth, this miracle. It reminds us that God can bring peace to everyone Who looks to him. When Jesus was born, the world was in the middle of a difficult time. Human history, it was very difficult when Jesus was born. Uh, Taxes were on the rise, poverty was widespread. It seemed as if God hadn't spoken. I mean, it's been 400 years of silence from heaven until the announcement of the birth of John and Jesus. We haven't heard anything from heaven. It's been silent. And so in the middle of all of this going on, that's when God chose to send his only son to be the good news and the glad tidings that came to the shepherds that the world need to hear about. And look with me at verse number eight. The scene is set. It's just an ordinary night of work for a group of ordinary shepherds. There's nothing special about these individuals. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Uh, William Barclay, several other theologians, they mention and they believe through their study that these shepherds were uh, not just your typical shepherds that were out in the field, but because of where they were, that in the temple every single morning, every single evening, they made a sacrifice. They would sacrifice a lamb. And they believed that these shepherds would have been just a mile or so out of the city. And because of those temple sacrifices, they would need to have a flock of sheep very close to bring into the temple twice a day to make sacrifices. And so several theologians, nothing definitive, but several theologians do believe that it was these shepherds that were watching uh, those sheep. That would be the sacrifice. And if that is the case, it's kind of interesting that God would have chosen to announce the birth of the Lamb of God. The one who would be the one to take away the sins of the world. That God would chose that group of individuals. uh, Because they would have recognized the significance of a lamb as a sacrifice. And so that's kind of a nice thought to think about. I don't know that we can be dogmatic about that, but it seems to make sense, and there's some, there's some things there that, that, I, that I think uh, could be. But they're just going about their business. Whatever, if they were the shepherds that watched the temple sheep, or if they're just regular sheep that are out there in the field. They're just going about their normal night, doing what they did every single other night. And then look at verse number 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And suddenly, these shepherds, they hear the heavenly announcement. And the Bible says that the angel came upon the shepherds. Uh, it kind of gives the idea of being overshadowed, or the, the angels hovering right over these shepherds as they worked there in the field. And that would have been intimidating. I mean, you're just out there in the, in the field, and all of a sudden, uh, you have this angel appear right over the top of your head, uh, just hovering there in the air. Uh, It says that they were sore afraid. I can understand why, can't you? Uh, That they would have been sore afraid. They would have have been uh, worried. Uh, But then this angel wasn't alone. If you go down to verse number 13, what does the Bible tell us? There's a whole multitude of angels present. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. And the word that is used there for host uh, comes from the same uh, Greek word that we use for army. So the idea that it has is that the entire sky, I don't know, maybe as far as the shepherds could see, suddenly there's not just one angel now, but the entire sky is filled with these heavenly messengers all proclaiming this same message of praise. And what are the angels? They were often ministering spirits that God would use to announce special things to people. And so, considering this is the greatest announcement that the world's ever heard, I don't think it's a surprise that God would have sent an army of angels, a host of angels, to make this great announcement. And it's very similar in the book of Revelation. Uh, what's going on in heaven In Revelation chapter 5, it says, uh, John, as he was caught up into the Spirit, as he's seen what's taking place, he says, I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Wow. What a scene in heaven, Right? That's a lot of angels. I don't know how many of the shepherds saw that night, but we know there's a lot of them. And they all came with that one message. In the book of Hebrews, uh, it tells us, uh, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. That's an amazing thing to think about uh, that continually the throne of God is surrounded by these angels uh, constantly praising him. One day we'll see that. We'll experience it ourselves. But on this night, these shepherds, they got a special taste of what's happening in heaven. And they bring this special message, verse number 10. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. Now, this heavenly announcement that was made, it was, a, it was at least a few things. First of all, it was a message of assurance. Uh, what does uh, the angel first tell him? He says, fear not. He says, uh, stop being afraid. Well, that'd be a good, good way to start. I mean, you're out here in the field, everything's calm, everything's quiet, and suddenly you have this angel over your head, and a host of angels are joining him. They're sore afraid, Remember? So the angel says, uh, don't be afraid. It comes from the same uh, word that we get phobia from. They they were sore afraid. You might say they had a megaphobia. Uh, They they were terrified of this sight. And sometimes when angels would show up, they they had bad messages to share with people. But these angels, he says, don't be afraid. I've got good tidings of great joy. Uh, this was a good message that the angels bringing. And God didn't want them to be frightened. Because what was the message that the angels were going to give? Uh, what, had, what had everybody been waiting on? They had been waiting on the Messiah, uh, the one who would come to save them. Uh, they were waiting for Emmanuel, God with us. Now I, I was watching uh, one of my friends the other day, a pastor friend of mine. He was preaching. I liked his sermon he was preaching on, Jesus R. Emmanuel. And he had, he had two men up on the platform for the, for the whole service. And he had, he had one individual over here, and they had, a, they had a big sign that said, God. And they had another man on this side of the platform. They just had a big sign that said, us. And it, God and us were separated. So what brought God and man together? Well, enter Jesus Christ. God with us, Emmanuel. That's how we can experience a relationship with him. And so, it's a message of assurance. And then it's a message of acceptance. He says, fear not, I've brought you good tidings of great joy. Uh, That good tidings uh, comes from the same word that we use uh, for evangelize. From the same word that we get our word gospel from. Uh, What does the gospel mean? Gospel means good news. Good tidings. Uh, Wow, the first people to hear this message were these shepherds. The tiding uh, of the birth of Christ was great news for the world. And the, the good news that was proclaimed by the angels uh, wasn't just for the shepherds. It wasn't just for a certain group of people. But what does John three sixteen tell us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. For the whole world. <clears throat> for these shepherds that were considered outcasts. We'll get to them in a couple of minutes. Uh, From the lowest to the great. This was good tidings. This was good news for everyone. What does the book of Isaiah tell us? It says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there's none else. Uh, If you're saved this morning, you can rejoice in the fact that you've heard these good tidings, that you heard the good news, the gospel. And then rejoice in the fact that uh, it's not just some exclusive club. Everyone gets to be a part of this. Any who will believe, right? And then it was a message of anticipation. And we saw that in verse number 13, the multitude of the angels that join. And they're saying, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so the angels are promising that this event is going to bring peace to the world. Now, what's happening right now in the world when these shepherds are standing there, Israel is under Roman rule, and the Romans had something called Pax Romana, Roman peace. And they constantly had to fight to impose this peace. It was difficult to keep peace. Uh, There was peace as long as you did it their way. The Stoic philosopher Epictetus, he said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. Uh, There were... Places that There were armies, there were emperors, there were conquerors in the world that would try to bring some form of outward peace. And they might have some for a little while, and then wars would break out again. But they were looking for some sort of inward peace, right? Isn't that what mankind has always been looking for? Uh, we're always looking for something to satisfy us and to, and to fill us. Uh, and it's something that man can't give on his own, is it? We can't find that peace. But these angels show up, and they say, hey, this news that we're bringing you is going to be bringing peace on earth. Well, that's a good message. And no doubt on that very first Christmas night, uh, I believe that in the heart of Mary and Joseph and those shepherds when they show up, I think they probably experienced peace that night as they looked into the face of the the Savior of the world. And since that night, every single individual who has entered into a relationship with the God of the universe can experience peace in their life. Jesus came to bring peace. And it wasn't just limited to the day of His coming, but He promised peace for eternity. We look around the world today and say, man, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of peace right now. But one day, Jesus Christ in the future, he will come back as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the Prince of peace. And he will fulfill that promise. He will sit on that throne, and there will be peace on earth someday. Now, until that day gets here, There may still be some skirmishes and some wars and some ups and downs in our lives, but we can still experience peace on the inside. We can still have peace. Uh, What did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Well, those are good words, isn't it? That'll bring peace to your heart. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Uh, do you believe Jesus this morning? He says he'd come again. That where I am, there ye may be also. So anyone right now who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ can have peace. That's what people are looking for during this Christmas season all year long. We want peace. There's songs that sing about peace on earth. And one day there will be when Jesus Christ establishes his kingdom. It said for every Old Testament prophecy about the first coming of Christ, there are eight about His second coming. And that's wonderful to uh, we, we, we're celebrating His first coming right now as we look forward to His second coming uh, with great anticipation. Uh, Consider this one from Isaiah. I think this is where Dad's preaching from this morning. Isaiah 9, verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Uh, we don't know the day or the hour this is happening, but one day Jesus Christ will rule. Uh, the government, uh, you don't like how the government operates today? Well, one day when Jesus Christ uh, sits on the throne and he operates the government, uh, we'll, we'll finally be glad to see the government, won't we? Uh, it, will be, it will be different then. And he'll bring peace to the earth. Uh, I heard the story about one of those last-minute Christmas shoppers. And they went out and they realized that they hadn't sent out any Christmas cards to any of their friends or family. And so in a rush, uh, she picks up a box of 50 Christmas cards. She rushes home and uh, she gets them together. She, you know, addresses them, puts the stamps on them, and sends them off into the mail. She used 49 of the 50 cards. Finally, the season kind of slowed down. Christmas Day, she sat down. She saw the last card just lying there on the desk. She opened it up, Denny, and she was surprised when she read the very cheery holiday greeting that was inside of it as it said, this is just a little card to say a Christmas gift is on its way. Uh, She'd sent 49 of those out. She now has 49 of her friends and family expecting a a Christmas gift that she never intended to send to them. But when God makes a promise, when God says he's going to send us something, he delivers on it, doesn't he? Uh, He promised peace on earth, and it's a fact that those who know him know that there is a peace that passes all understanding. What does Paul write in the book of Philippians? He says, in the peace of God, the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, When we experience difficult things in life, those who are believers realize that the Holy Spirit of God can bring us a peace. Sometimes the world doesn't understand how we can deal with life's turmoils, but there's a peace that God brings that passes all understanding. And it's also a fact that he will bring peace to the world for all of eternity one day. Now, after hearing this wonderful news, the shepherds are determined to discover for themselves if what this message from God uh, is about is actually true. And so now we'll see the heavenly arrival. Uh, They didn't take their time about it. They didn't stand around and and wonder, I wonder if if this is true, if it's not true. What did they do? They didn't waste any time in responding to God's message. They went with haste to Bethlehem to see the baby in the manger. It's been said what we believe affects how we behave. And these shepherds must have believed that it was true because they immediately went. Verse number 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us, go, uh, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They didn't see, let's go see if it came to pass. I mean, they believed when, when the message from God said, hey, here's the good news. They said, let's go see this thing that has happened. They believed it. Amen? And so, uh, notice first the place of his arrival. It mentions Bethlehem. Uh, the word Bethlehem means house of bread. Uh, what an interesting thing uh, that in the house of bread was born the one who is called the bread of life. I like that. I like that. Uh, and then there's a few more details. This little town of Bethlehem, it's about six miles south of Jerusalem in a district known as Ephratah, And it was the home of several well-known biblical characters. You think of Rachel, uh, the wife of Jacob. She was buried there in Bethlehem, the original home of Naomi, the mother-in-law of Ruth. Uh, the, the town of Bethlehem was uh, an important setting uh, in much of the book of Ruth. And then probably the most important person to have come from Bethlehem before Jesus Christ would be David, the beloved king of Israel, right? Uh, The successor to King Saul. And so this little town of Bethlehem has a very rich history. But even though uh, it seems to have such a rich history as we go through the scriptures, it was still just a common, ordinary town that was somewhat overlooked in the book of Micah uh, the prophet gives this great prophecy, and he says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old of everlasting. Uh, and so the place of his arrival was just a small, common, ordinary town. Again, not the Jerusalem, the temple, uh, the big city, the, the impressive place, well, that's not where Jesus came, was it? He came to the little common town. And then notice not just the place of the arrival, but notice the person that arrived. Nothing was common or ordinary about the person. The place may have been, the barn may have been, the stable may have been, the manger may have been, but the person wasn't. They saw when the shepherds get there and they look into the manger, who do they see? They see the only begotten Son of God, the one who would give himself for us, the the one who would be that lamb that would take away the sins of the world. The God-man, 100% God and 100% man in human flesh, one of the great mysteries that, that we can't explain. We just accept it. But in the era that we live when so many try to talk about uh, all the different ways that you can find to God. There's not many ways to God. The one way to God was born in that stable. Jesus Christ. Uh, there's, There's not the Christian way to heaven and the Jewish way to heaven and the Muslim way to heaven and the Buddhist way to heaven. No, there's one way to heaven, Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And in 33 years of age, he gave his life on the cross. He shed that sinless blood and offered it as a payment to the Father in heaven for the sin of all mankind. And nobody else could do it. It was Jesus as he died on Calvary's tree. That's what we'll... At 4 o'clock this afternoon when we gather for our candlelight service this evening, we sing songs about his birth and uh, we think of this Christmas story. We'll then move into a time of communion as we sit around the Lord's table and we commemorate his death because Jesus was born to die. It symbolizes his mother wraps him in swaddling clothes. What was it? It was was grave clothes that he was born in. Uh, Just a a picture from the very beginning uh, that this was a child given to die. And so we'll reflect not on just his birth this morning, but on the fact that he died and shed that blood for us so that we could experience God with us, so we could have that relationship with God. Uh, Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 20, says, While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. What does it mean? The name Jesus, it means he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, You know, it's it's not enough to just hear about Jesus. A lot of people during this season, they will hear mention of Jesus and his birth. Whether it's in some service, some program on TV, through songs, they'll hear mention of Jesus. But it's not enough to just hear about Jesus. Uh, It wasn't enough for uh, us to just be like the the shepherds and to just peek into the manger and see the baby there. That's not enough either. Uh, It's not enough to just say, oh, you know, how nice that that this little baby came. No, that's not enough, is it? We don't want just... Warm feelings. I like what Kent Hughes says. He says, The truth is, even if Christ were born in Bethlehem a thousand times, but not within you, you would be eternally lost. The Christ who was born into the world must be born in your heart. That's what Jesus came for. And so many at this time of year, they're willing to accept that baby in the manger. There's a lot of people who reject that baby who grew up and then died on the tree. We don't want to think about him. But it takes his death. It takes place in your faith in that. Uh, every single man, every single woman, every boy, every girl on the planet is a lost Hellbound sinner in need of a Savior. Paul wrote in the book of Romans, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of their way. They're all together become unprofitable. As he's quoting uh, from the great prophet Isaiah, he says, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. So we need a Savior. None of us are good, are we? You might think that you're good. I heard the The story of the little boy, he wanted to prove right at Christmas time, you know, that he was worthy of some great Christmas gifts. So he wrote his letter to Santa Claus. And he said, dear Santa, he said, there's three little boys who live in our house. There's Jeffrey, he is two. There's David, he's four. And there is Norman, he's seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all of the time. P.S. I am Norman. Um. We all understand, except for Norman, that we're far from perfect. We don't deserve the gift that was given to us. Uh, we're, our best works, was the, the, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, our best deeds are as filthy rags. We have nothing to offer to God. We have no goodness that we can give to Him. And so we can compare ourselves to each other, I might, you know, look at myself and think that I'm better than Taylor. Or Taylor may compare himself to, to Aubrey and think he's better than him. Uh, we can compare ourselves to each other, but none of us are the standard, are we? Who do we compare ourselves to? For all have sinned, Romans 3.23, and come short of the glory of God. It's talking about measuring up to his standard. If you want to compare yourself to anybody, compare yourself to him. How do you measure up against him? Do you fall short? Of course you do. That's why you need a savior. None of us are worthy of the gift, and that's why we need what Jesus offers, that eternal forgiveness and peace. And then lastly, as we put ourselves into the shepherd's shoes, we're going to share in the heavenly amazement here. Uh, how must they uh, have felt when they saw those angels and then witnessed the birth of Jesus? Uh, you think that they asked, him, why did God pick us? We're calling this outcasts to evangelists. What were these shepherds? Well, first of all, the miracle of the birth of Jesus, it was never supposed to just be this isolated discovery that only a handful of people knew about. No, this was something that the entire world needed to know. And God chose this group of shepherds very specially to be the ones who heard it first. Uh, God had a specific purpose for their lives. And it reminds me what we've been talking about in our teen class on Wednesday nights. We're calling it Discover Your Destiny. We talked several weeks ago to the teens about how we have to figure out why God put us on this planet. God has a purpose for us. That's why we place such a high priority and an emphasis on life. All life is special. Every single individual, uh, God knew that you would be born, that you would be created, and so you have an eternal purpose here on earth. We've got to discover what that is. Uh, God had a purpose for these shepherds that was more than just working a job, working a bunch of sheep. God had them where they were for a specific moment, for a specific time, for a specific purpose the same as he does in your life. And what does he want most of all from all of us? He wants us to make him known. That's what God wants. So notice these shepherds. First of all, remember how the shepherds were told, fear not. Uh, these were worried men. It was a call to worried men. God wanted them to know he could still use them. You're afraid? That's okay. Uh, I can still use you if you have some fear. You ever been like that where you've been... Fearful when it comes to making Christ known to somebody? Yeah, that can be a fearful thing to tell other people about Jesus. If you've ever been worried, you're right there with the shepherds. They were worried that night. They were afraid. They were intimidated. But the message was fear not. And so don't be so gripped by fear when it comes to sharing your faith that you don't do it. That's not the right response, is it? Uh, It's okay to have some fear. But remember what God told Paul, he says the good news, God says to Paul, he says, hey, I can use your worry, I can use your weakness for my glory if you'll let me. Paul wanted that thorn in the flesh taken away. And God says, no, I'm going to let that stay there. But I'm going to use that weakness to help bring glory to me. And so God can use that. Don't let fear stop you from sharing the gospel with the others. I'm Determine to let God use you even in your weakness. Say, man, I'm not the best at this. Uh, well, God didn't ask you to be the best at it. He just asked you to trust Him and to be faithful in sharing what He's done for you. And then it was a call to working men. Uh, being a shepherd, it was not a glorious life. We've called them outcasts. You, you pick up any commentary, you read uh, Jewish history, uh, shepherds were, they were considered the lowest of the low except for lepers. Lepers were below shepherds. These were not some high-class individuals. They were considered untrustworthy. They were not allowed to give testimony in court because they were considered uh, to just be liars. Uh, Shepherds were really looked down on individuals. They weren't uh, allowed into the temple. They were considered ceremonially unclean. And so these are a group of outcasts. They were poor, they were dirty. Um, But God chose to proclaim to that group, those shepherds, that's who God chose to proclaim the message to, first of all. He didn't didn't send it to the high society and to the elite and to the religious people of the day. No, Jesus went to some of the lowest in society and said, "Here's Here's the message of the gospel, here's the news of the birth. Of Christ. And some of the greatest preachers of the gospel, some of the most faithful Christians, uh, haven't been men or women that were from high pedigree. Uh, I, this past week, I watched the uh, memorial service for Pastor Clarence Sexton there in Powell, Tennessee, um, where my sister goes to church at Temple Baptist, and thousands and thousands of people present at his funeral. And stories that were told, uh, Pastor Sexton came, uh, as, if you heard Pastor Sexton ever preach or ever interacted with him, uh, you could tell he had a love for people, but he spoke very high. He was a big fan of Charles Spurgeon, and a lot of his mannerisms would remind you of Charles Spurgeon as you read about him through history. But that's not the kind of pedigree that Pastor Sexton grew up in. He grew up in a very broken home, in a very difficult home. And he became one of the, the great preachers of, of our generation. Impacted hundreds and thousands of people. As they opened the memorial service, they, they read about a three-minute letter. And they got to the end of it. It was, it was a letter from Donald Trump to Pastor Sexton's family. As he talked about, I didn't even know Pastor Sexton had that big of a, uh, an influence with Donald Trump. But he talked about uh, how Donald Trump how Pastor Sexton had been an influence in his life as he shares the gospel, as he led Temple Baptist Church and Crown College and sent out preachers around the world. Uh, we never know what kind of influence a pastor... Who would have assumed that, that some boy who grew up in a broken home like that uh, would one day have such an audience with a president of the United States? But that's the kind of God, the people that God can use, people who are humble, people that would be overlooked by others. God uses our weaknesses, doesn't he? What sets them apart is not their status in life, whether or not they have wealth, education. What sets us apart is whether or not we have a heart that's yielded to him. And then these were willing men because God uses humble people who are surrendered to him. As soon as they had seen Jesus, what do these shepherds do? They go and they start telling other people about him. They tell others. Don't don't get caught up in the trap. You know, some people are like, someday I'm going to go tell other people about Jesus. Someday I'll serve him. Someday I'll get involved. Uh, No, don't don't wait for someday. Do like the shepherds and make haste. Uh, Go quickly. Uh, Go spread the news of Jesus' birth around. And then it was witnessing men. Verse number 17 of Luke chapter 2. When they had seen it, when these shepherds realized what they had seen, They couldn't help but tell others. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. When we truly realize what God's done for us through salvation, when we realize what an awesome miracle it is, that he was born of a virgin, lived that sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose three days later, when that really gets a hold of our hearts, we can't help but want to tell other people what the Lord has done for us. The psalmist says in Psalm sixty-six, sixteen: 16, Come in here, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. And knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that can ever happen in a person's life. It's the greatest message we can ever share. The reason that we know about secluded places on the planet, like the Christmas Islands, where we started, is because somebody discovered it and then they kept it all to themselves. No. What did they do when they discovered the Christmas Islands? They began to tell everybody about the incredible beauty and wonder that existed there, and so now the rest of the world knows about the Christmas Islands. What do we do with the greatest story that's ever been given to us? The greatest news that's ever come to mankind Jesus Christ, the Savior the Prince of Peace. you looking for peace in your life? I know the one who can give it to you. We've got what? Uh, less than 24 hours until Christmas Day. But let me encourage you on this day, uh, take some time this afternoon as we, as we reflect, as we prepare for communion this evening uh, to reflect on that Prince of Peace, what he came to do. And then uh, make it uh, a A purpose in your life. In 2024, I want to be like the shepherds. I'm going to find some people to share my faith with. I don't want to keep this news to myself. I I don't want to keep this discovery all to me. I want to go and tell others what the Lord has done. Uh, And proclaim why he he is. We say Jesus is the reason for the season. Let's go tell people why he is. That reason, let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity to look at these shepherds this morning. These men that were considered outcasts, uh, some of the lowest of society. But Lord, how special it was that you came to those people. And it's a reminder that the gospel uh, isn't for the self-righteous and the self-sufficient, but the gospel is for broken and needy people uh, who know that they need a savior. And so, Lord, we're thankful that you, on that Christmas night, that you brought that message of peace to those shepherds. And what a reminder it is that we should go and share the news with those around us. The birth of a king, the birth of a savior. Lord, we thank you for loving us, for dying for us. We thank you for that payment of your blood. And Lord, we look forward with anticipation to your second coming, to that return when you will sit on the throne and you will bring peace to the world forever. We pray that you'd meet with us in this morning service now. Have your will and way. In Jesus' name, amen.